Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nate Cashdan. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Merry Christmas. Good to see everybody. The Lord gave me a really important word. It's probably going to take two to three hours to get through it, so just get settled. And What? What's funny? I missed something. Less, 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 Lord. I'm just kidding. All right. Please keep your kids quiet. I'm just totally kidding. I'm just kidding. You know I'm kidding. Everybody with kids in the room knows me, so, like, obviously I'm kidding. This is a family service. I understand it's going to be, uh, there's going to be some noise. Don't worry about it. Okay, so like purposely making noise is one thing, but you know. <laughs> hey, so um, thanks for coming tonight. I hope you all have uh, had a great Christmas Eve and that you have uh, plans to celebrate Jesus' birthday tomorrow. Um, just got an a interesting word from the Lord. So like, you know, Nate doesn't teach typical Christmas messages usually. So um, I, it's partially, like, it started out early. It was because I, I was just not going to go with the flow. <laughs> you know, I'm not a go-with-the-flow type of person. But then, really, it, I was like, I think, there's just, I think there's just a lot more. Like, I think Jesus doesn't do, do anything small. So I think when the Father sent him to be born as a baby, it wasn't necessarily so we could just talk about the candy cane analogy. or You know, those things aren't bad. It's just I think there's, I think there's more things that... that um, he wanted to show us, and so I, that's what, the, what I asked him, Lord, what else do you want to show us in this story? It's just a few chapters, but it's probably the single most important event next to his death and resurrection, which doesn't happen unless he's born of all history. So I was like, there's got to be more than just the four chapters worth of the usual things we talk about. So not that what I'm teaching tonight is new, but hopefully it'll be uh, revelatory anyways. So Jesus, would you make it that? Amen. All right. So you can turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll be in there. We'll be in Matthew uh, chapter 2 as well, just for a few verses. Um, But one of the things that I was thinking of was how offensive Jesus' birth was. Did you guys ever think that? That because he was the Messiah. Do you know how offensive it was? The Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years, if if not thousands. But the ones that were alive at that time knew but they'd also, they're like, Messiah's coming. But it'd been so many years that the attitude was kind of like, yeah, Messiah's coming. And here we are, oppressed and wondering and wandering. And like, they're still just kind of like, when is he coming? When is he? Because he's going to come and do what? He's going to come and deliver us from our mortal enemies, from our earthly enemies. That's like, they had a very, now not all, but generally speaking, the view of Messiah coming was, he needs to come so that my life can get better, right? He needs to come so that things are easier for me. That's not necessarily all wrong. It's just incomplete. And so, and so he, but he comes as a baby, okay? Now, if you would have maybe thought it out, you would have been like, well, if a man's going to deliver us, he has to be born. But that's not how you, that's probably not how you would have thought, right? When you're thinking of who you want to elect president, or who you want your kids to vote for when they're older, are you thinking about the birth of that baby 
or are you thinking about what they're doing as a 35, 40, 45-year-old? You're just not thinking about it. So these are the humble beginnings, and I'm thinking how offensive it must have been to the culture and especially to the religious mindset of the day. Think of this. I'm just going to read, the, I'm going to read this real quick, and then we'll um, go through it. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Okay, so this is uh, the shepherd's account of kind of every, or kind of the account of what happened with the shepherds, starting in, in verse 8. It says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Duh, you would be too. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Do you know why those are the first words out of all these angels' mouth every time they show up? Because it's scary when they just, like, do not be afraid. You're like, why would they have to say that? Well, it's scary. Thank you. See, Christians engage. I love this. Um, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He, he is Christ, or he is Messiah. Like, he's the one you've been waiting for, and he's born right now, today. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths or swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, not singing if you were in there for my Christmas quiz, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now listen to this. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, just like they, just like they had been told. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, or told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things up and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Listen to this. God is so excited about the birth of his own son, the Messiah. So who's the first people that he tells about it besides the people involved in the birth? Shepherds. People that are sleeping outside <laughs> with animals. Those are the first. He's like... Can you imagine how that went in heaven? Have you ever thought about that? These are the things I think about. Where the father's like, hey, we're going to announce Jesus' birth. It's happening in just a few minutes. Like Gabriel's like, you want me to? And he's like, you know what? Take the army. Just take everybody. He's like, everybody? Just take everybody. Who are the loudest ones you have? Take them. Like, who are we going to tell? Are we going to announce it in the temple? Where Are we going to announce it? Should we, should we do like a staged announcement? And he's like, you know what? Tell the shepherds. The shepherds? Tell the shepherds. He's like, I think they'll understand the imagery of that he's going to be lying wrapped in the same cloth that they wrap up baby lambs in, lying in a feeding trough, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I bet you, this is speculation. You understand that, right? We're speculating here. I bet you that Jesus, or that God the Father, what he told the angels, he went, they'll believe you. They'll go see him. Listen, shepherds went, they found Jesus just as the angels told them, and then they went and told everybody and worshiped and praised God. And I bet it doesn't, the Bible doesn't say, we know the wise men worshiped him later when they came. I bet you the shepherds worshiped him. That's offensive. They worshiped a baby. Let's read one more passage here. Turn over, flip over to Matthew 
chapter 2. Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, according, or during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, we're going to skip down here. He hears this. He's like, he's bothered. Verse 7, Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them at the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for me so that I may go and worship him as well. After they had heard, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. And having been warned in, a, warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. By the way, there's a message in here that I love to preach about when it's good to disobey the rulers of the land. Okay, anyways. Because um, they disobeyed a direct order. Um, but this is, imagine this. These wise men were traveling up to two years. We don't know how long they were traveling to find the Messiah, follow the star. It doesn't say. What it does say is that the timeline that Herod was given when he gave a decree to have all of the, the male children killed, it was all the male children under two years old. So they took the inform- he took the information the wise men gave him and said, if we wipe out all the baby boys that are under two, we'll take care of it. So from that information, we extrapolate that Jesus was younger than two years old at the time. He was not a baby because they had already moved. Uh, and that these wise men had seen his star and had been following it. Could have been a year that they were doing it. Could, we don't know. It could have been months. Could have been a year. Could have been 18 months. Could have been two years. They were following this star for a while to find the Messiah. Now listen, when they found him, first of all, this is crazy already. These guys are educated, probably wealthy, and they have stuff to do. And they're like, this is the most important thing. We're going to stop everything, and we're going to... They're like, well, where are you going? We don't know yet. Okay, it's like it's it's just like it's just like Abraham in Hebrews eleven verse eight, having not known, or I'm sorry, not knowing where he was going, he left. He obeyed God. He just left. Now we know where he was going because we we read on, right? He didn't have Hebrews about himself. He didn't have the Old Testament yet that was written about himself. So we don't, we're like, well, he's going to the Promised Land. Well, yeah, but he didn't know where. He just left. And went and obeyed. Well, it's the same thing here. These wise men are like, nope, we saw his star. Like, this is it. This is it. We're going. And they get there. Now, I don't know that they knew that they were going to be coming up upon a kid that was probably between a year and 18 months old, right? I, I don't know. All they knew is they saw a star. It's like, oh, maybe this, maybe this doesn't mean that he was born. Maybe it means that he's been revealed to the world now, right? Maybe he's what we would know as him being about 30 years old. Maybe he got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know that they know. It doesn't say. But they're going, and they get to the house, and it's an 18-month-old. And do you know what they didn't do? They're like, oh, gold. You know what? Let's run to the store, and we'll get him a boppy instead. 
Like, you know, do you know what I mean? They're like, it's a kid, right? They weren't like, did you guys know this was going to be a kid? You know, like it was, they got there, presented their gifts, and bowed down and worshiped him. It didn't, it didn't phase them at all that it was an infant that they were worshiping. Think about that. Think about that for a minute. He was born, and they brought him gifts that you would have brought royalty, priests, and embalmers. And, and that, that's offensive. Because <laughs> you just think, wow. He was born to a teenage girl and a carpenter that were not married in, junior, in, in Jewish culture. That's a big no-no. Big no-no. And listen, he was born most likely in a barn. We just extrapolate. That's not in the Bible. We just, he was laid in a manger, and mangers are in barns. So he was probably born in a barn. The Savior of the world was born in a barn. That would offend religious, religious thinking. I would say, there's a lot of, you're like, okay, we get it. It was offensive. No, but I would say that because Jesus' birth was, I believe, the single most important event next to his death and resurrection in human history, it's probably safe to say that God, when he does something really important, he doesn't worry about who might be offended in the process. Like, he, he was, God wasn't surprised. When God does something new, it might not look like how, it, how we had hoped that it would look. Jewish people had dreamed for centuries about the Messiah coming. And if, you're, if they were anything like me, they probably had thought about it, kind of planned it out in their head, right? Well, obviously, this will happen. This is the first thing he'll do. First thing he'll do is just make things easier for us. And then we're actually going to end up ruling over the people that are, that are persecuting us right now. That's just going to be a big I told you so. And they're probably, oh, yeah, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Then hundreds of years goes by, and it doesn't happen. And you keep telling the next generation, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And people are like, but when? But when? But when? But they've worked it up. It's huge. It, they believe it. And then he comes as a baby to a carpenter and a virgin teenager in a barn that shepherds were told about first. And then he just lives a normal life for 30 years. Right? Weird. God's ways of doing things often don't make sense to us, but I believe that they can. Listen, the shepherds didn't argue with the angels of the Lord. They believed God and they followed, right? The wise men traveled for however, you know, we don't know how long, but probably a long time, and they didn't flinch or change their gift idea or anything when it was a baby who they came upon. Um, they acted in faith. Mary and Joseph didn't blow off the assignment. Can you imagine? I've preached a whole message on the faith of Joseph many times. Listen, I'm dating Kaylee. Somebody comes to me in a dream. Hey, Kaylee's pregnant. Not yours, but don't worry. It's, it's uh, God. Holy Spirit did it. It's okay. Guys, I don't have, I just, I'm, I'm not that good. Derek? It'd have to be a pretty. It'd have to be a pretty good encounter. It'd have to be a, right, guys. Right? Hey, it's okay. Your virgin wife's pregnant, and but she didn't cheat on you. 
No, 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 no. It was, it was God that made her pregnant. You're like, listen, I might not be an educated man. I might not be an educated man, but I sure know how a few things work. And I don't know that they work like this. I'm telling you, the faith that it took that man to not divorce her, I'm telling dream or no dream, angel or no angel, if, you, if you're married in the room, you know the amount of faith that it took that man to, to say, okay. And they didn't, that's all they knew. There was no, I'm saying faith, everybody say faith, because it's the evidence of things unseen. There was no baby, there was no, this is, this is, he was born with pain and blood and amniotic fluid in the dirt, and there was crying, and there was poop, and there was all of the normal things. Now, there was no miracles, right? Besides the concept, besides the fact that she was pregnant, there was no, I mean, Jesus wasn't like, he didn't like come out, and he's like, all right, like a baby walking around, like laying hands on people. There was no evidence of the things that had been promised to Mary and Joseph for decades. As a matter of fact, as far as we know, Joseph was already gone when, it, when Jesus' ministry on earth started. He never got to see it. Now, he ain't written about in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. But if I was going to write a chapter, he would be. Because that man had faith. But it would have been offensive. Now, I believe... Um, these guys, they didn't assume that God would line up his ways with their thoughts. They changed their ways to line up with his thoughts. And I believe the word for us today or tonight is to do the same thing. It's, I think it's time to realign what's really important. And really only God can show us individually and in our families what those things are, what those realignments are that need to take place. See, many times we ask God over and over to speak to us and we can't hear him because we're listening only for what we want him to say or think he will say. If you're like me, I'm like, I bet, because I know the Lord. I know his word. I'm like, I bet I know how he's going to do this. And sometimes I'm just waiting for him to do it that way. And then I'm like, God doesn't hear me, or God's not answering my prayers, right? What if, what if the shepherds, listen, what if the shepherds had built it up in their mind how the Messiah was coming, okay? And then the angels come, they're like, hey, he's here. He's lying in a manger, wrapped in the same cloth that you used to wrap up your little bloody baby lambs, and that's where you'll find him, the Savior of the world, God. He's right there. And they're like, nah. Because he's going to come like how I've imagined him and prayed for him to come for so many years and how my parents told me that he would come. They would have missed it, right? They, they were humble, no preconceived notions, no assumptions on God. God, you have to do it this way, X, my, my XYZ, my ABC. I didn't do that. Um. Oftentimes, the best things that he has in mind are potentially offensive to us if we come with the wrong heart posture and attitude. I think there's good news. I believe that God is eager to share his heart and his plans with his friends. Okay, it's evident here. It's evident not just because of how he announced the birth of Jesus, right? It's like my son's born. There's this explosion in the sky over there. There's this, you know thousands and thousands of angels are all like, glory to God in the highest. To these sh- Can you imagine these shepherds are like, ah. They're like, okay. You know, they, they were terrified. And then that, I mean, it's just amazing to me to think about. But he couldn't help but announce, right? He couldn't help 
but draw these men with a star, with a sign in the sky, knowing that they would follow it because of how intelligent they were. Couldn't help that. In Genesis, Genesis 18 is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. This is where uh, right before Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed, okay? I'll close with this. God can't help but reveal his plans to his friends sometimes. Not all of his plans, but some of his plans. Eight, or uh, Says the Lord, men appear to Abraham. I believe it was Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, we'll talk about that later. Anyways, God comes in form to Abraham. And they're talking, and this is when he comes and he says, next year, Sarah's going to be with child, right? And she laughs, and they're like, hey, why are you laughing? And she's like, uh, did you hear that? Right? It's that whole interaction right there. And um, anyways, as they're leaving, the Bible says, Genesis 18, that the Lord says to himself, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And he sits there and has this inner, like, oh, should I? Because what's, what's he about to do? It says, word has made it to him that Sodom and Gomorrah was beyond help. I mean, like, beyond God's help. That's the word that had made it to God. And God said, or the Lord said, I'm going to go down and check it out after I'm done here with Abraham. And if it is the way that it's been reported to me, I'm wiping this place off the earth. And he's sitting there saying, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Like, does he need it? You know, and he tells him, because he's a friend. And he tells him what he's going to do. And Abraham says, Lord. And he starts bargaining with, if you find 50 righteous, far be it from you, Lord, to destroy the righteous with the wicked. If you find 50, what about 45? What about 40? He's an auctioneer. He says, 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Yes, if I find 10 righteous people, listen to this, in Sodom and Gomorrah, I will spare the entire city. I won't destroy anything. If I can find 10 righteous people. And Abraham's like, sweet, and he walks away. And a lot of people, I mean, I read the story, a lot of people think Abraham asked him, what if you find just Lot, or whatever. He didn't. The, he, the Lord goes in, sees that it is the way that it's been reported to him, and he finds one righteous person, Lot. It wasn't Lot's family that was righteous. It was Lot that was righteous. And the Bible says that God remembered Abraham, his friend, who? And he spared Lot and his entire family. Now his wife, Lot's wife, she disobeyed and she didn't make it out past the, the end of the city. But Lot and his entire family, all because God couldn't keep a secret from his friend. That's pretty intense. I believe that it's on God's heart and he's eager to share with us. But we have to be in that humble and just position to receive, Lord, it might not be what I've preconceived in my mind. It might not look like what I hope or think it should look like. Whatever, apply this principle in any, in any place in your life right now, friends. Can you negotiate like Abraham did? I'm not going to tell you not to. I'm going to tell you talk to your friend, right? That's conversation. Manipulate? No. Negotiate? Yes. God's eager to share. Would you uh, actually, uh, Marissa, are you going to play a little bit? Yeah, we're, obviously this is a little bit, uh, why don't you come play? This is living room style. So um, I think our job is to, is to ask, listen, and respond. It's to be in that place of, Lord, what's on your heart? 
Lord, I, here's the thing a friend encouraged me to ask the Lord. Ask the Lord what to ask the Lord. Right? Lord, what questions should I be asking? Oftentimes we come to him and we're like, here's my list of questions. And then we don't get answers. And we're like, here's my list of questions. Here's my list of questions. And then we're like, God's not answering any of my questions. Read the New Testament. I can count on one hand the amount of times that Jesus answered a direct question that was asked to him. <laughs> yeah, seriously. People be like, Lord. And then he comes like, there once was a man that was walking on a road. To, you know, and you know what? To be like Jesus, that's how I address my kids now. When they come and ask me a question, like, Dad, do I have to clean my room? I'm like, one time when I was young, son. And I just tell them a story. And then eventually they get bored and walk away, and I'm fine. I don't have to do anything. So I'm like, this is a what would Jesus do moment. I'm telling you, the reason that he didn't ask the, answer questions directly is because they were asking the wrong questions. He knew what they actually needed to hear. They thought, we think we know, Lord, if I just have the answer to this one question, if you just tell me who I'm supposed to marry, no, no, don't even know, just tell me what year I'm going to get married. Lord, if you would just tell me, if you would just tell me which job I'm supposed to have, just tell me which job I'm supposed to have, that everything will be okay, we don't even have to talk anymore. And he's like, boy, you're asking the wrong question. So I ask the Lord often, what questions should I be asking? And then I listen, I encourage us, listen and respond. That's what the shepherds did. They heard what the angels had to say to them, and then they did what? They left their sheep out in the field and went to the baby. The wise men left whatever families, jobs, everything they had for probably, probably years, because remember, they have to go back once they get there. And for what? because they were in the will of the Lord. Would you guys stand? I believe if we position ourselves in a place where we're not just able, but willing to hear and respond to whatever's on the Lord's heart, that we'll be able to react like the shepherds and the wise men did with worship, praise, thanksgiving, Though the shepherds went around and told everybody what they had heard and seen because the, the angels of the Lord showed up and they said, this is for all people. Like, don't, this isn't just for you. And they took, him, they took the angels at their word. And they went, okay, we're gonna go tell everybody. And I think we'll respond the same way. Whatever the situations are in your own life that you're seeking the Lord on, I encourage you to ask and to listen and to respond. But I encourage you also to, I challenge us all, and me too, to get rid of preconceived notions and assumptions that we've placed on God about how he should do something, why he should do something, or most importantly, when he should do something. And it's, it's not so much just saying, well, God, it's all in your hands, and your, my ways are not your ways, and I don't know anything. I think it's, Lord, how do I align my heart more with your heart so that, like a friend, you can't help but reveal to me what it is that you want to do? Let's pray. God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for the, the, the huge examples of faith, obedience, worship, and praise that we have from the shepherds, the wise men, from Mary and Joseph. Lord, for Joseph, God, we know that, God, from your word, that Mary found favor with you. She was the highly favored one. But Lord, could it have been a large part because she was betrothed to a man like Joseph. 
and, and like we need it, you needed a man that would take you at your word and believe that his, in, his wife that, or his girl that he's engaged to is carrying the son of God by the Holy Spirit. Lord, could it have been that one of the reasons Mary found that favor was because of the faith of Joseph? I thank you, Lord, for these examples that we have. And God, may you bring us to a place of thick humility, Lord, where we can hear you clearly because we want to know just what's on your heart, God, and we can get rid of the way that we think that you should do something. Thank you, Lord, for this season. Thank you for every person in this room. Father God, I pray, Lord, that no one would leave here separate from your family tonight. Father, if there's, if there's never been a full surrender, saying I'm going to give my life to Jesus, I may not know all that that entails. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you would, you would come in right now and convict you would lead by your loving kindness, God, even bring to their minds right now every time you've shown up for them in their lives, all the encounters that were real, all the provision. You're so long-suffering, patient, and kind. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Kyle. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.